Hello and welcome back, uh, if indeed you are returning, to the Poetry and English Literature podcast. Um, thank you very much uh, for uh, listening uh, to us, uh, if, if, as, you, as you evidently are, wherever you are in the world. Um, and um, we have been really, because um, it's all quite new to us, um, we've been really... Uh, amazed by the range of locations that people are are listening to this podcast in so wherever you are in the world uh let me wish you well and thank you again i would just briefly um int- uh, int- well, introduce uh, but i would just uh, say a quick hello to um my two fellow uh commentators in this podcast uh hello david hello dan and hello rob hello mate how are you doing? Guys, um, our last podcast was on the sort of titan of uh, Irish um, literature or world literature, um, but in particular um, with a with a with a very huge importance in in Ireland, W. B. Yeats, um, uh, and uh, I wondered if I could invite either of you to comment uh, as by way we've got this little section at the beginning of the pod where I have a little coda on on our last pod uh, if there was anything that you had sort of felt since then or that you wanted to add about Yates well not for my end not really no I, 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 I feel like we set the world to rights <laughs> with a definitive <laughs> account of the man and his work didn't we did, did we not <laughs> I think that was the final word on the subject wasn't it <laughs> yeah I'm pretty confident nobody <laughs> will be writing or speaking or broadcasting about Yates anymore yeah one would assume yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, if I have anything to say, really, it, it, it is a bit of a segue into our next uh, topic, today's topic, um, because sort of go, going through the, the, the Yates podcast, and what we're doing, uh, if you're new to this podcast, is our ethos is that we are sort of plunging into poets that we don't know very much about. Um, so if you're sort of here for, 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 for revision purposes or whatever... I'm afraid we're not going to be very much help because we are the polar opposite of self-styled experts. Um, <laughs> and we, we want to, to just read the poems and see what they, they say to us. And as time and circumstances allow, we're trying to sort of just you know, get the basic facts around the poet's life before we start recording. Um, but I, I, felt, I felt going through that process with Yates was absolutely fascinating to me because it was a new topic to me. But it did make me realise this thing about sort of the standing of Yeats in Ireland, which I think I hadn't quite fully appreciated. And of course, today we are going to be talking about the other titan, more modern titan of English, uh, or, or, or I should say of literature in Ireland. And that is Seamus Heaney. Um, guys, uh, I've, 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 I've mentioned Seamus Heaney by way of a coda to Yeats because we are, we are going to continue with our journey into this, uh, to this field of literature. But before we go any further, I must remember, I've got a little note to myself, that we have a new exciting section in the, in the pod. And oh, that yeah. exciting section, of course, is the quiz section. Oh, yeah. Guys, are you ready for my quiz question? I am ready. Yep, go for it. Okay. Now, I'm afraid I've just recycled my quiz question from last time slightly, which is to say, because reading about Heaney and he, he, he wasn't, you know, quite happy to be described as an English writer, of course, rightly so, because he, he considers himself Irish. I would, I would wonder if, if you were able to name an English 
uh, man who has won the Nobel Prize for Literature? Hmm. Any English man. Uh, Harold Pinter. Like Harold Pinter. That's, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, you both said Harold Pinter. Who's yeah. who's taking Harold Pinter and who's going to come up with another one? I'm going Harold Pinter. I said him first. Okay, David, <laughs> the, the owners, I'm afraid, is now rather well, irritatingly got in a fraction ahead. Uh, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> I can't have Pinter, therefore I'm going for Tom Stoppard. I'm afraid that is an incorrect answer. No, I was in no way confident about that. Am I, am I legit with Pinter? Am I under the wire? Yep, you're under the wire Boom. with Pinter. I'm a big fan of Pointless. I don't know if you guys are. I'm afraid, Robin, your, 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 your one is going rapidly right down to a nice low score. David, I'm afraid that's 100 points for you. <laughs> <laughs> have, you got, have you got a list uh, of the Englishmen that won it? Just so we um, can, the, only other, the only other ones that I'm aware of, um, and, and our listeners may, may as often in such cases know more than, than I do or than we do, the only two that I'm aware of otherwise is Rudyard Kipling, who, who won the Nobel Prize for Literature very early on, Yep, and William Golding, oh, yeah. Lord yeah. of the Flies. I, tried, I did know that. I should have, got, I should have said that. Yeah. Okay. David. Am I right um, thinking that Lord of the Flies was Golding's first novel? I think that's true. What? I believe that's true. What a champ. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that, that is obviously, uh, a, a presumably, a major um, reason why he won the Nobel Prize. Yeah. David, do you have a question, a quiz question for us in this exciting new section of the pod? Uh, I do. It's, um, I must admit, I, I, I'm indebted to my, my friend Matt for this whose advice I sought uh, on this subject because he is pr- almost certainly, I think, the, the, the friend of mine who knows most and, and most loves Seamus Heaney. So I thought, who better to ask for a, for a question of? Admittedly, when I asked him for a question, he wasn't aware of the context in which it would be used. <laughs> so his, the answer to his question is Seamus Heaney. So I'm going to spin the question around slightly because obviously that would be ridiculous. Uh, and I'm going to give you a brief quotation from Heaney, and I'm going to ask you why Heaney wrote these lines. Okay, so he wrote these lines in response to a particular thing. Wow, uh, this sounds like a pretty hard question, to be honest. Well, actually, I, I don't know if it is. I think I think you'll get this. I think you'll get this. Um, he wrote, uh, "Be advised, my passport's green. No glass of ours was ever raised to toast the Queen." Do you want to have a crack at that, Rob? Uh, sorry, my passport's green. No vase of flowers. I missed the like, next bit. Something, something, <laughs> toast the queen. It's like Chinese whispers. No, no glass of ours was ever raised to toast the queen. Uh, presumably the Jubilee, the uh, Silver Jubilee, Golden Jubilee, Silver Jubilee, Golden Jubilee, <coughs> Silver Jubilee, the Silver Jubilee. Okay, Dan? I, I, I think it's a very interesting uh, uh, question and quite instructive. Um, because it establishes right up front that he did not identify as British. He he says his passport's green, um, which is clearly that he, he's identifying as Irish. He's Irish. I suspect that what's happened here is that he has been acknowledged as 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 an English writer, or he's won a prize oh, as he's an English got writer, an OBE or something, or he's he's You're been, very... he's. 
You're very something close. like that. There's something more yeah. precise. There's something. Is it the is it the laureate ship? That, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Boom. Of course. Yeah. That was his way of rejecting <laughs> the laureate ship, which is oh, pretty cool. Very good. Uh, okay, I have a question. Fantastic. Uh, yep. uh, I'm holding in my hands a book. It's edited by Seamus Heaney and Ted Hughes. It is a collection of the editor's own favourite poems, and it has been established as the classic anthology of our time. Melvin, Melvin yep. Bragg from The Times describes it as a must for anyone at all who likes poetry, and The Observer... Uh, describe it as a splendid, huge, resonant book. What is the name of the book in my hands? I know this one. I, I think I do as well, so I'll let you uh, have a crack at this one. Well, I'm fairly sure I know. Is it The Rattle Bag? It is indeed The Rattle Bag, edited by Seamus Heaney and Ted Hughes. That, that's got to be, um, that's got to have some particular meaning, hasn't it? I, I don't really understand the title of that book, The Rattle Bag. Why is it called The Rattle Bag? Good question. Do you know what? I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah. well that's a great that's a that's a great segue into our <laughs> into our next section. Good question, Rob. If you happen into to our... know that, and one of our <laughs> listeners knows that, then by all means, do email us at poetrypodcats at nice. gmail dot com. That's poetrypodcats, like the opposite of dogs, like cast with the s and t inverted. Uh, poetrypodcats at gmail dot com. We, we would. Have we had any emails yet? Sorry, David. Go ahead. Sergey, have we have we had any emails yet? Uh, none whatsoever. So, okay, so also, you, you dear listeners, you could be the first emailer to the show. <laughs> I, I would be genuinely interested to hear people's theories about why the rattle bag is called the rattle bag. Um, the fact that we don't know uh, is, I think, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> preparation of the lack of knowledge of, and of, of, the ne- of, the ne- of, the, of the next section of the pod because um, if you are listening to this for the first time we are going to plunge into uh, some poems by Seamus Heaney we'll read the poems and uh, see what we we make of them um, and I think the, you know as I said the the, the idea that we we don't know too much about him that we're not experts um, is kind of uh, you know is part of the, is, 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 is part of our discovery of, 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 of the poems, which we're sort of hopefully going to have ones which we've never read before. Um, is, it worth, so, is it worth, Dan, just having a very brief um, bi- biographical account of Heaney, who he was, where he was from and so on? We've sort of, uh, just maybe his dates. Um, well, well, if I may just quickly say, yes, absolutely, we, we, we'll do that. Um, but I was just going to give it a slightly wider context because I think there's no point in pretending or ignoring that we don't know who Heaney is. I mean, obviously, he's an extremely celebrated poet. I mean, he's... He's the most famous poet of the sort of our lifetimes, I think. Is that is that right to say? Do you think both? I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're, we're obviously aware of who he is, um, but I think is you know we, we're recording here in um, England, and I think it might just be worth thinking for a moment about this kind of tension that exists. Not not so much, I think. You know, now hopefully that's true. Um, although we're not living in 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 Ireland or Ulster, um, but I, 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 so, so, I mean, I think before we go ahead, we just need to sort of maybe what I'd like to do is just reflect on our own take on the sort of the history of Northern Ireland over the last fifty years, our own lifetimes or whatever, um, insofar as it's touched on us or whatever. And I don't want to. It's it's it's, it's quite a 
sensitive topic. I mean, obviously, it's a huge amount of tragedy involved, huge amount of pain, and it's been a huge issue. I think yeah, I, I would just say, for me, you know, growing up in, in England in the 80s, um, it was sort of a background thing, but it wasn't something that impinged on on me. So I, I guess I'm sort of saying that up front that it's you know it's not something that that was was huge. I don't know if if either of you guys can offer just a sort of a comment on our own personal experiences. What uh, of the troubles? Yeah, of the situation. Nothing at all. I've got no 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 feeling about it once one way or the other. Uh, I suppose. Um, uh, I don't know. Does it impinge much on Heaney? I, I don't know. I've seen being a, a, a Dubliner. He had uh, he was uh, it was a relatively far away conflict for him as it was for uh, for most people in the UK. No, he's not. A, he's not a Dubliner. Is he not? He's a Northern Irishman, but he did live in Dublin, I think, for most of the latter part of his life. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Well, I've got that. But yeah, he's very much. Oh uh, uh, no, he's yeah. His his his. Certainly, the early or yeah, early mid mid period stuff deals quite closely with with the troubles. Right. I mean, it was something that we kind of it was it was just an ever present thing, wasn't it? When we were when we were growing up, yes, it never impacted us directly. I guess. Well, the, but, we, 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 were in, we, were Bright, like, we were in Brighton for the bombing. That was the only thing that I've sort of you know that felt like it was remotely uh, oh, close right, to yeah, home. Of course, yeah. Uh, when I saw the, yeah, the, I mean, the, I the bomb damage the next in, day up in Bedford then. But that is a vivid, vivid memory for me, and I wasn't anywhere near as close to that, obviously, as you were. And um, it was an ever-present uh, issue on the news, wasn't it? Through, yeah, through it was the, yeah, through the the nineteen eighties, yeah, in in much the same way that um, you know an entirely different type of terrorism has become ever-present, I guess, for for our children. Yeah. Yes, I suppose that's that's true. I mean, it was nineteen ninety four. And I, I, I'm pretty sure this is a genuine memory, although it's always hard to know whether memories are wholly genuine. I was in uh, Morocco in, um, I think, Asuera, when somehow I managed to read the news. Of course, this is all pre-internet and, and, and so on, but we, we must have had the radio or the TV or, or possibly met some other English people who told us that um, there'd been a ceasefire and that this was being uh, given as an historic moment. This is before the whole sort of Blair thing and the hand of history and all that. Um, I think it was 1994 that there, there, there was announced this this ceasefire, and it seemed like we were coming to, you know, a, a more pacific period in, in, in this in this time. So just as, as I was getting into my, my early adulthood, it seemed that peace was being established, and so it sort of receded into the background, really. Um, and I think to some extent, I mean, again, as I say, if there are people listening to this who know about this, I, I don't want to cause offence by being in any way, shape or form, um, you know, uh, unaware of, of the continuing travails and the continuing pain. But it felt at that time at 94 and then certainly post 98 that it was sort of we, we were moving past it and, 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 and it was receding into the background. Do you, do you guys feel that's about right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's just history, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's undeniably. Yep, definitely. That was yeah, it's a strong memory of my um, uh, yeah, university. The first year at university, it was uh, the whole. When, when was when was Omar and all that? You know, there was some really bloody, horrible um, tragedies or atrocities quite late on, weren't there? That must have been early nineties, I'm guessing. Oh, I think that may have been even later, actually. No, that I was later. That, that, that was, was maybe ninety eight. That yeah, because that was that was sort of so called real IRA, wasn't it? Yeah. That was um, that was ninety eight. 
I'm pretty sure that was 98, yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, the reason I mention all this is because I think it, it is a part of the background to 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 to, to Heaney and to where 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 he's coming from. David, perhaps we could move on to what we're kind of calling our rather pretentiously perhaps our apologia our, our, our sort of our knowledge enormously limited though it is of Seamus Heaney sort of his biography and, and whatnot C- can you comment on on that subject uh, on, what, on what I know of, of Heaney's life yeah um, and, and, and also I think what we're really focusing in here is perhaps what you know of Heaney's life and then sort of when it's in you know when you've encountered Heaney and gained a bit of knowledge about him so okay, the, the sure. two things almost in tangent in in uh, parallel yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, beyond um, the the fact that he was born in 1939, he was born in, I think it was Derry in uh, in Northern Ireland. I know he was the professor of poetry at Oxford for a while later late in life. And as I've already said, that he he lived, uh, he died in Dublin, having lived there for certainly the latter part of his life. Um, and of course, the um, the Nobel Prize, as, we, as we've already mentioned, my only my experience of his work is. Uh, on a on a professional level, reasonably, I mean, certainly compared to the the poets we've um, covered up until now, is is a bit, is more extensive. I mean, I'm I'm very familiar with most of the the early poems from Death of a Naturalist, the first collection, uh, just because mainly because they they crop up a lot on uh, at, at GCSE in particular, uh, and I've taught uh, quite a a fairly wide selection of the slightly later work. So certainly the work through the late sixties into the seventies um, as well, albeit not for a few years. So I must admit, yeah, I would, I would declare now that there are quite a few of his poems that I know pretty well. And I've, I've deliberately chosen, of course, um, one that I don't, that I, I was not familiar with at all for today's uh, discussion. Excellent. We like to keep the level of ignorance total. <laughs> uh, Rob, I, I take it from your general uh, approach to this one that you 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 haven't sort of spent the week. Uh, no, I'm immersed in 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 Heaney scholarship. Uh, and I, I honestly didn't remember that we were doing this until about five minutes ago. Uh, so I have had absolutely no um, no no. Uh, I haven't I haven't put my head into this at all. So I mean, you know, which is perfect for this. Uh, as I say, keeping the level of ignorance total. I can certainly say that I'm keeping faith with that. Hundred uh, um, percent. My experience of Heaney, I suppose, is 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 is, is very slim. Um, I remember doing one of his poems. I think it was uh, Blackberry Picking, at, i.e., at uh, GCSE rather. Um, I think that was my last encounter with him until very recently when I um, read a couple of them online uh, and enjoyed enjoyed them. I don't remember which poems they were. Uh, I think the one I'm doing today is possibly one of them or they're looking at it possibly not um and i enjoyed them when i read them recently i read maybe four or five and thought oh yeah Seamus Heaney's someone i should look into more you know uh, with, in more depth so i'm really glad that we're doing him today um i'm really looking forward to these these poems yeah me too and i think it, it came slightly out of the last pod um and, and obviously my fascination with the nobel prize for literature that um heaney is one of the the four writers um irish writers to to receive and he, which he he won the nobel prize for literature in 1995 um and he died i think as david has just said in in 2013 um one thing that i uh 
I really like uh, to, to, to do is because I've got a bit of a fascination with um, books and editions is talk about the editions that we're all holding. I have to say that in today's case, um, I have actually ordered, um, uh, and uh, I was surprised at how expensive it was to buy Heaney's books. If you just go on eBay or Amazon or whatever, um, the older editions all, all seem to be really sort of north of 20 quid now. Um, so I ordered a new a new book, which is called, I think, 100 Poems, which has come out in the last decade, the last five years which hasn't arrived yet i've been i've been checking my porch over the last few days but sadly it hasn't yet arrived so i'm 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 he's not at all in the 20th century english verse edited by larkin i guess possibly because he's irish or possibly because that book came out in 1973 or 72 or something so maybe he wasn't mentioned in that um there are a few of his poems at the end of Christopher Rick's Oxford Book of English Verse, but we're not we're not looking at those particular poems today. So I, I'm going to be on the internet for my poem today, and I think you, you you've said the same, Rob. Is that right? You're going to be on the internet for yours? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I do feel like I've got a Heaney book somewhere, but I haven't been able to put my hand to it today. Uh, I'm just looking along my shelf as we speak. Um, David, are you are you holding folding actual <laughs> bookage? <laughs> yeah, I've got an actual uh, tangible tangible text in my hands which is the oh. new selected poems uh, 1966 nice. to 1987 oh, uh, so yeah that covers obviously uh, yeah the, the uh, a number of at least i think five collections worth of five or six collections worth of stuff so not everything he wrote up until uh 1987 but the yeah a, a, a good a good chunk of of that of that era Nice. Um, in on that note, uh, I believe we are going to go into because we're trying to follow a some rough you know, chronological order where we can establish it. And I think Rob, your poems first. Yeah, I think I said it was from Death of a Naturalist, which was nineteen um, sixty-six. Did I say? Uh, it is nineteen sixty-six. This this was his first published collection, and I think this was the transformative volume. Um, right. From what I understand, once Death of a Naturalist came out, he, he, he became taken very, very seriously as a poet, both in Ireland and in the wider literary world. Uh, OK, I'm going to ring my gong. And then, David, do you, I presume you have a copy of Follower. Presumably, presumably it's in your collected poems. OK, and perhaps as I ring my gong and, and, and you guys can just check that you're recording because we've had a few issues around that. Um, and then when we come back, Rob will read follower, David, you'll read follower and we'll see what we make of it. Uh, this is Follower by Seamus Heaney. My father worked with a horse plough. His shoulders globed like a full sail strung between the shafts and the furrow. The horses strained at his clicking tongue. An expert. He would set the wing and fit the bright steel-pointed sock. The sod rolled over without breaking. At the head rig with a single pluck of reins, the sweating team turned round and back into the land. His eye narrowed and angled at the ground, mapping the furrow exactly. I stumbled in his hobnailed wake, fell sometimes on his polished sod. Sometimes he rode me on his back, dipping and rising to his plod. I wanted to grow up and plough, to close one eye, stiffen my arm. All I ever did was follow in his broad shadow round the farm.
I was a nuisance, tripping, falling, yapping always. But today it is my father who keeps stumbling behind me and will not go away. Okay, follower by Seamus Heaney for the second time. My father worked with a horse plough. His shoulders globed like a full sail strung between the shafts and the furrow. The horses strained at his clicking tongue. An expert, he would set the wing and fit the bright steel-pointed sock. The sod rolled over without breaking. At the head rig, with a single pluck of reins, the sweating team turned round and back into the land. His eye narrowed and angled at the ground, mapping the furrow exactly. I stumbled in his hobnailed wake, fell sometimes on the polished sod. Sometimes he rode me on his back, dipping and rising to his plod. I wanted to grow up and plough, to close one eye, stiffen my arm. All I ever did was follow in his broad shadow round the farm. I was a nuisance, tripping, falling, yapping always. But today it is my father who keeps stumbling behind me and will not go away. Thank you very much for your <coughs> your readings, guys. Um, with more modern poets, I, I, I trust we are allowed to, to read these things and include them in our pods. Um, my my question really, I think, is why? What, what has he done to make this poem so good? <laughs> hmm. well, or should we perhaps first of all talk about what we what we what we um, what we take as the meaning of this poem? Anyone want to jump in? Well, it's. I mean, it's it's it's, it's sort of the most universal uh, subject matter, isn't it? About um, you know the, the progression from being a child to an adult and uh, and how, how how our own personal histories can be get sort of recontextualized as we grow older and we'll see things in a different light um so in that sense it kind of speaks to all of us pretty pretty intimately um yeah there's a kind of a there's a kind of cruelty about the ending which is interesting it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like bitterness though it feels like a sort of sad uh, resigned um, inevitability about you know the progression of time. Uh, it's interesting. It's you- interesting the way that the whole of his childhood is sort of telescoped down to this one image, and then suddenly we're sort of it leaps us forwards into into the present, and just for just for the last two and a half lines, um, it's got a twist in the tail, hasn't it? You know, because it seems like a very um, nostalgic account of this image of the ploughman and then and then has this little twist at the end which is quite sort of um heartbreaking i suppose yeah it it is quite heartbreaking um and i think you're you're right to to sort of focus in on 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 that because that's the most sort of dramatic thought in the poem in in a way um and the universality of it i i completely agree with i mean it, it just i saw that word plow and of course we we did a pod on edward thomas didn't we and the you know the the, the sort of the land the oh that, the had, the, of all, that all, had the sod being turned over by a horse plow didn't it yeah 
It did, and there's this kind of um, there's this sense that, uh, and I think this is something which is probably recognised in in Heaney's work. You know, it's a big part of his thing that he's he's he is somehow in touch with or or trying to um, draw out from 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 his experience these kind of resonant universalities. Um, and, and, and sort of the, the, the in touch with with nature thing, um, which I suppose it's, it's 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 a bit daunting. I suppose it might be a rather sort of trivial and um, cliched thing to to observe. But I suppose he he's 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 got this contact with the land, which we we in twenty twenty, and of course Heaney has been dead seven years now. We're sort of in the future, if one may may yep. say it like that. Um, you know, we've never seen a horse plough, have we? I mean, maybe in a museum. No, in foreign countries, never in this country, I don't think. Yeah, and I've not seen this happen in real in real life. Um, and so he's 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 immediately kind of in contact with some sort of earlier archaic archetype, um, yeah, which is beautifully evoked. Um, but I agree with you, Rob. I'm not quite sure how to take the last stanza. Um, I mean, just going back to this, the 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 land. There's there is a lot of of earth in in Heaney's poetry. There's a lot of um, peat and soil and sod. Uh, the co- the kind of companion one to this, I think, would be digging, which is also from the first collection, and which is which also invokes his father very explicitly working working the land while. Oh, while I I think that's the poem I thought I was doing actually. Yeah. Now, now I think about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's really similar, and it's and it, he's again he sort of self consciously acknowledges his father's extraordinary skill at um yeah essentially at being a farmer, uh, while uh, slightly uh, abashedly kind of uh, acknowledging his own uh, lack of skill. And the fact, you know, that he's clearly sort of set out for an entirely different path in life. So that's there's that here. He's he's a, it's a sort of an apology to his father for failing to, you know, follow in his footsteps. I mean, that's literally what. Let's face it. That's what the title makes you makes you visualise. And um, but yeah, the the twist. I mean, it's you use the word cruel, Rob, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there is that because uh, do Although, we think? Do we, I mean, sorry, do we I was just, let me just yeah, jump in. Sorry, I, I was just going to jump in and say. I mean, there, there is two readings of it, I suppose. What read the, of the very final line of those last five words and will not go away? You know, there's the first reading, which was my first take takeaway from it, which was that and will not go away in brackets, even though I really want him to. Like, why will yeah. you not go away? But then there's the other one, which is to say he will not go away. He will not fade. He will not. You know, I will always have him with me. Yeah, you know what I mean. So then, possibly the the the, the 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 cruelty is the misreading of it, and and you know the sense of the of the permanence of the influence, you know, of the of the lasting influence of his father, you know, his father who's stumbling behind me and, and will not go away, as in that memory will never fade. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's an alternate reading. Sorry, whether we're yeah, whether we're talking about an old man who is um, whose powers have completely diminished and is essentially now a. Now the the nuisance in inverted commas that Heaney was as a as a little child, or yeah, as you have said, is that are we talking about memory here? Are we yeah. uh, is is he is he kind of dogged by the the kind of conflicting feelings associated with the memory of his father, who has presumably therefore died 
by this point. And I'm not sure biographically whether he and his father had died at this stage. And I suppose that would kind of answer the question for us, wouldn't it? Hmm. Do you, do you think, on a technical point, you could describe that as a volta when he says "but today"? I was thinking so, that, that uh, funny enough, yeah, just, just that word "but." It just can't, you can't help but but think that, can you? And I, I can you? I mean, I'm sure you can use the word in a in a non-sonnet context, can't you? I guess that still counts. Yeah, I assume so. Because it, it uh, as, as you write, I mean, it opens it suddenly opens it up into such a profound universal thought which you know could be interpreted or analyzed in, in in many different ways partly it's genetic partly you know it's this it's this legacy that's in his mind but it, it is much more intimate than that isn't it it's also about the the relationship with his father and all of somehow it this poem contains all of the sort of the complexity of the the emotions that he he feels about it the the, the sadness the poignancy um the the love but also the sense that he he's trying to it's that will not go away isn't it it's, it, as you said Rob it's, it sounds kind of cruel um, because it Im- almost implies that he, he, he would like to, that yeah. to be the case but it's more just a statement of fact um, yeah and, and, and also possibly the inversion of their roles because you know when he was a kid he was always under his father's feet. He was always, you know, he his dad was probably constantly telling him to go away and he wouldn't because he was always, you know, stumbling about the place. So maybe it's just as simple as that, you know, rather than a kind of, rather than that cruelty I was thinking about, you know, maybe it's just a, as you say, a statement of fact, you know, it's the father who's now always around and... Um, I don't know. Either way, it's still... Yeah, I can't really... Can't, yeah, I think it's still there's an element of, of a slight harshness to it. Um, yeah, which, which my father who keeps stumbling behind me and will not go away. It's it's just the, that dramatic contrast, isn't it, with the the father who is described up till that point, because all of the language is about total strength and command and power, and uh, you know his shoulders globed like a full sail strung is just a fantastic way to. Uh, demonstrate how much this, you know, how big this guy loomed, how large he loomed in the yeah. young Heaney's life, and then the effortless way in which he he commands these sweating beasts, um, and uh, is able to to you know his hobnailed wake um, is just a, a, again a really perfectly succinct yeah. way of he's like a he's like a battleship. Yeah. tearing tearing through the earth yeah, yeah. Uh, but em- emotionally it's this point of view isn't it that it emphasizes that point of view and and how sort of small and vulnerable the young child is looking up at his father and and that's what makes the final um volta if we're calling it yeah. that much more tragic and um, compelling yeah yeah because it's all from this 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 point of view of the very young child I'm not sure if there's sometimes he rode me on his back you know so his their respective power and size at the, uh, you know he's he's very young isn't he the the the, the he's like a, a little more than a toddler um, as he describes his father it's a very touching image that isn't it the um, yeah. him sort of uh, saying oh, okay go on then even if it sort of slows me down a bit then uh, I'll 
I'll let you uh, I'll let you join in. Yeah. Which I guess is what he wants to try and repay. That's maybe what he feels guilty about not repaying at the end of the poem. Uh, there's a yeah, there's a sense that if he if he's still alive and he's still he's the one stumbling behind and being a bit of a burden, um, he obviously feels that he should be repaying that that um, loyalty and love and um, companionship which he was given as a child. What's pretty terrifying about this poem is that if it came out in Death of a Naturalist in 1966 and he was born in 39, he's 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 no more than. 27 when he writes this poem yeah i mean that's that's the the end date of the possibility of his composition of this poem yeah but likely to be quite a bit earlier yeah yeah, yeah and uh, i've just i've just just discovered that heaney's father still lived for another 20 years after this so this is very much not just about a memory of a yeah of a of a man yeah, I was going to say, it bears, bears a little bit of comparison with the Betjeman poem we read as well about his father, his dead father in that instance. Um, you know, that, that sense of growing up and this and this sort of strong man becoming dust in, in, that, in that poem, you know, it's a, it has a similar um, sort of uh, uh, a sense of a, a, a slight requiem or, a, or a, you know, a, certainly a, bitter, you know, a, a bittersweet nostalgia. Um, you know, the, the, the father seen through the adult child's eyes is 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 a sort of reduced figure. You know, um, in, in both those poems. But this one, this one, I mean, it's funny you were talking about the the the, the guilt and so on. The emotions are kind of complex emotions because those things aren't really in the poem, but yet they sort of are. You kind of feel it anyway, don't you? I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but it's very lightly dealt with at the end. I mean, that Volta is only, as I say, two and a half lines long, but it seems really packed with with emotion and. Sort of yeah, it's just of, well, it's just a, ju- a jumble of emotions, even. You know? Yeah, that's what makes it brilliant, is I think, is it it brilliantly implies all of that stuff. That's right. Yeah. Uh, where other poets would have spent several stanzas explaining why they feel really guilty, um, he doesn't need to do that. All he has to do yeah. is he gives us a lot of detail. If, you know, just this fantastically evocative and detailed um, picture of uh, a little boy and his dad, and then the the just in one line at the end in fact in fact just in one i think well the word Phrase, stumbling yeah, stumbling says, is massive and uh, and will not go away as you've already said is is yeah. powerful to say the least and then you yeah, know it's all, you it's know sort of you s- snaps shut like a steel trap you know what i mean it kind of yeah. feels yeah. like it's absolutely it just it just slaps you in the face well that's almost a second volta because but today, if you so, I'm thinking about the line, the last line, the last words, and will not go away. Yeah. So if if you go back to, but today it is my father who keeps stumbling behind me. You go, okay, fine. But but today it's his father who keeps stumbling behind me. That that's kind of you know that's that's a reflection on 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 the inevitability of aging. You know, I've, I I actually have never seen the famous film The Lion King, but I'm told it's something to do with the circle of life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you can, perhaps you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Dan, it's an animated uh, remake of Hamlet with lions. How have you missed this? Yeah, you know, I just—it's weird. It's—it's it's, it's one of those. I'm sure we've all got those films in our in our background that we haven't uh, we haven't seen. The Lion King is is one of mine. Perhaps perhaps this is an appropriate moment to lighten the tone. Uh, do, Rob, do you want to fess up now? A film 
that you haven't seen a major film? Uh, there aren't many, I have to say. I've seen m- more or less all the films. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet there is something. Come on, um, I bet I, there I, is. I, 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 other than uh, Blowout, uh, sorry, Blow Up, rather, I have failed to watch any of the collected works. The entire oeuvre of Michelangelo Antonioni has passed me by. Um, so you haven't seen Eight and a Half? No, that's Fellini. I've oh, seen Fellini. Eight and a Half. I've oh, seen sorry. all the Fellinis, but uh, Antonioni is one. So L'Aventure and La Clisse and uh, the Red Desert. And that. So they're, they're the main, they're the ones that I've kind of got up my sleeve. That um, I'll watch those when I'm when I hit fifty, and I've I've saved them would up you, for a rainy day. <laughs> would you Would you say that they're bigger or lesser lacuna than my not having seen The Lion King? Uh, they are. If, if you're an international cineast like me, they are. It's a huge lacuna. Yeah, that's that's huge. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> I, can, I can scarcely forgive myself. But I suppose it, this up. is a bit like the Rumsfeld thing, isn't it? The known unknowns. Yeah. Because um, in a way, to, you have to be aware of something to know that you haven't seen it. David, is there anything you're aware that you you, you haven't seen? Oh yeah, I mean, there's loads of uh, loads of you know so-called great films. I've, I'm sure I haven't seen. Um, even though I consider myself, to, you know, pretty well well up on on uh, on cinema, but the uh, the one that came immediately occurred to me um, when you said when you asked that question is I've never seen Gone with the Wind. I should probably yeah. I, that feels like a like a gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a that's a pretty big one. Just bear in mind it was a different time and racism was fine then. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I think that, that that film would probably be filed under problematic yeah. today. But okay, it's, only, well, it's, only a little, it's very it's very fond of its black characters, but they are very much of a type. Yeah, thanks uh, for the heads lot, up on that. There's lot not a lot of nuance. Um, <laughs> but Gone with the Wind has that character of um, her father, who, who who almost sort of fulfills this role, doesn't he? He keeps stumbling behind her, doesn't he? he oh, no, I don't want to spoil it for putative viewers of the film Gone with the Wind, but uh, he 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 ages uh, during the film. That's one of the one of the characters. Well, I mean, as uh, as Rob said, it's 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 a universal theme, isn't it? I mean, uh, there's, there can't be many writers out there who haven't dealt with their parents as an issue as, no, point, I, as, as a theme I think that's right I was going to say it's something which you sort of have to reckon with it, as, as any adult has to reckon with it but I think as an artist as a writer as a poet you that's one of the kind of core subjects because in a way you know in terms of finding out who you are and you know you have to you have to try and open up where you came from you know and expl- to explain yourself or to express yourself or explain yourself you have to sort of reveal yourself and really Part of that is revealing your parentage and your history, um, yeah. your, your childhood. You know where, that that is where you came from. That is who you are. So you know, those are things which are not just not just common themes, but you know. But how interesting the essential themes. How interesting that Heaney chooses to kick off his career with that, though. It's it's sort of it's something you might expect him to have held back you know i mean I, the obvious time to deal with all this stuff is when you're when at least one of your parents dies uh you know so when he's in his sort of 50s or 60s you might think this would be a, a thing for him to address but he's addressing it in his in his 20s and it, and when his father's still only presumably only about 50 or so himself but if i if i could just revise the the cruelty of the ending and I, and I, as i say i think there is a massive difference between but today it is my father who keeps stumbling behind me okay we get that and then the absolute shock of that last line but there's almost a cold neutrality to it it's just that's the that's the that's the cold fact and will not go away um you know it's um 
there, there's it's it's a, it's a sort of a statement that there, there isn't perhaps a degree of independent you know liberty and having been reborn it's just that's the way it is you know yeah. it's neither positive nor negative i'm just i'm just imagining that moment when <laughs> um when Seamus Heaney's dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah when he read this when read this and went, yeah hey, wh- happy christmas <laughs> <laughs> How's that poem coming along, Seamus? Oh, um, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be interested. It's, it's, it's not for you. It's not for you, Dad. You crack yeah. on with the ploughing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty grim, pretty uh, 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 sort of grim thing to write with your parents still alive, isn't it? You know, and uh, and and still got you know, and not even old. That's the thing. It's no. extraordinary. I just I obviously just assumed that he was some sort of old, old doddery close to close to the grave. You know, Alzheimer's uh, is everything else, but I mean, he wasn't even he, certainly he, by those standards, but certainly by today's standards, he was in the prime of his life when this was written. Yeah, it's it's in his own mind, isn't it? There's um, a Simon Armitage poem that has a similar uh, idea, isn't there? About um, he can hear his father's voice, and then he sort of finds himself speaking in his father's voice. That's got the same kind of um, sentiment, I think. Indeed. Guys. Sorry. Shall we? Uh, shall we? Uh, thank you. Know, what can I say? I, I've I've really enjoyed revisiting this this poem. I have seen this particular one before, um, but it is a it is obviously a you know, huge, dramatically uh, brilliant poem. Um, shall we have a look at one that I don't think any of us do know? Sure, absolutely. I'm going to ring my gong and I'm going to read the next poem, and then uh, who who's going to do this one? David, why don't you have a crack? Uh, okay. So, have you, have you got it in front of you? I have, yeah. Okay. Scaffolding by Seamus Heaney. Masons, when they start upon a building, are careful to test out the scaffolding, make sure that planks won't slip at busy points, Secure all ladders, tighten bolted joints. And yet all this comes down when the job's done, showing off walls of sure and solid stone. So if, my dear, there sometimes seem to be old bridges breaking between you and me, never fear, we may let the scaffolds fall, confident that we have built our wall. Okay, scaffolding, again, by Seamus Heaney. Masons, when they start upon a building, are careful to test out the scaffolding. Make sure that planks won't slip at busy points. Secure all ladders, tighten bolted joints. And yet all this comes down when the job's done, showing off walls of sure and solid stone. So if, my dear, there sometimes seem to be old bridges breaking between you and me, never fear. We may let the scaffolds fall, confident that we have built our wall. It was a lovely poem. What do you make of it, Rob? Oh, I think it's lovely. It's, uh, it's very simple. Um, rhyming couplets. Uh, uh, it's... Uh, it's a very romantic and sweet idea for a poem, I think. Um, 
it's obviously there is a there is a subject of the poem the, the my dear so it's a sort of a love poem I suppose um, but one that takes into account the tribulations of a relationship the difficulties attendant to falling in love and staying in love and you know obviously I mean it, it almost feel, feels as though the poem has been written in the wake of perhaps an argument as in 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 the form of an apology um, that has a, you know just imagine it, the circumstance of its composition um, you know the, the there sometimes seem to be old bridges breaking between you and me that's the the um, the, the fight isn't it the fighting of, uh, of man and woman uh, of Heaney and his presumably girlfriend or wife to be perhaps I, I, I should very briefly say that this also is I think in Death, Death of a Naturalist 1966 okay. and I think he had only very recently married maybe two years earlier oh perfect that. yeah that's the, that makes all the sense in the world um, and it's 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 conciliatory isn't it uh, it's saying it's saying yes there's going to be ups and downs but our foundation is strong you know that um, that these things are trivial compared to the core of our relationship you know confident that we have built our wall i think it's a lovely it's a lovely image it's a lovely um wry um and sweet poem yeah it's great i i should say that um it says at the bottom of this that, that it's it's read at very many irish weddings that oh, makes loads of sense yeah it's um, funny you should say that it's uh, really made me think of that kind of um, I mean, actually, made me think of this. This sounds much more uh, critical than I mean it to be, but it made it made me think of it's one of those kind of metaphors that teachers or you know, uh, head 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 headmasters or headmistresses use for an assembly, isn't it? It's it's that kind of okay, everyone. Here's here's a thing about scaffolding, and then I'm going to apply it to you and your lives. And um, it's yeah, you know, it's perfectly kind of sweet and slightly kind of naive and and charming. For that, I would say it's it's quite you know, it's a deliberately kind of slight work, which feels very. It doesn't uh, fit really that much with the rest of what he's writing about in that first collection. I don't think. We 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 uh, had a pod on John Donne. I think the one before last. Uh, if there are any listeners who listen to that John Donne one, I can say that uh, we we were still trying to resolve our sound issues at that point. So that's one thing that comes to mind. But one of the things about uh, John Donne and the metaphysicals was this idea of a conceit. You know, this kind of intellectual premise. Would this qualify as a conceit? Do you think, in the metaphysical sense? I mean, that's essentially what it is, isn't it? A conceit, a kind of a uh, an extended metaphor. I suppose that's kind of how I always think of it. Maybe that's a bit too reductive, but but yeah, that's that's I suppose as good a way of uh, I mean, describing it as any. I'm reading this poem for the first time today. I must say, I do, I I I, I do really enjoy the extended metaphor. The can see, I think it's really quite beautiful at the end. Um, one question I would never ask you guys is. Um, to uh, to ask you which which verses you, you had it as part of your own wedding services because I wouldn't want you to ask me in case I couldn't remember or you couldn't remember it would be terribly terribly embarrassing. I, I can tell you I had uh, "Love Is" by um, Adrian Adrian Henry. You can tell us yes. excellent. Love is a, love is by Adrian Henry. You had "Love Is" by Adrian Henry. Yeah, uh, very good. I I know we definitely had the passage from uh, Corinthians, which I think is a sort of almost. Um, uh, obligatory. Um, I'll, I'll just say, Dan, love. the best thing about your wedding, by a wide margin, was the fact that you had the Rocky II overture. 
by Bill Conti played on the organ in the church. That was absolutely top tier. <laughs> Thanks, Amigo. I appreciate your remembering that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can see why, of course, that this, I think, um, I think when I read that, that this is read in many Irish weddings, I suppose it, 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 it I always think of, you know, I mean, I don't want to go into politics, but, you know, the UK and, and Ireland and as being, you know, sort of very similar. But I suppose it's it's just a sheer ignorance on my part that um, I, I'm not aware, really, of, 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 of the very... Um, powerful animation of the the, dif- the difference in, in, in culture. Um, I'm not saying that people don't have this read out at their own weddings in England, but um, it, it seems to have become very much a part of, <coughs> excuse me, Irish um, nuptials. Um, one, 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 one thing I'll just briefly mention, just since we were talking about our weddings, the one, the one thing that always does make me smile about our wedding is that I, I encouraged Kerry to have as our, as our, as our first dance um, uh, played by our band, uh, you have we have all the time in the world by Louis Armstrong, which is of course the song that James Bond has played at his wedding right before his wife is murdered. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, all of these things have a slightly freighted cultural context. <laughs> Lovely song, though, you know. Yeah, it's um, in a way, it's a slightly surprising choice to have at a wedding. Because it does rather suggest that they are going to row or do row a lot. Uh, yeah, that old bridge is breaking between you and me. If, yeah, if but that's but that is the, but that's the re- that's the reality of a of a, of a marriage, isn't it? That's, of course, that's, it is. That's... Yes, but the reality of a marriage isn't usually properly acknowledged at the very start of the marriage, is it? But, I, I mean, maybe I'm I'm wrong, but usually it's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more. You've, you've reminded me of um, uh, somebody. I can't remember who it was. Someone was saying that they uh, a, a, a classic, very common choice, a sort of instinctive choice of a first dance song is um, is "God Only Knows" by the Beach Boys, which is you know the Paul McCartney has nominated as the greatest song ever, and yeah. and certainly one of the the greatest love songs of all time. But it, yeah, that that begins. Like, uh, well, I was just going to say that, that that. But that song, which is a in every other respect a perfect choice for that um, for that day. Uh, the opening line of that song is "I may not always love you." <laughs> 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 I may not always love you. <laughs> which is you know it's just it's a, a wonderful kind of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just let's just you know, cards on the table. This might not last. Yeah, uh, but you know, in the meantime, God only knows what I'd be without you. Well, for those of our listeners who 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 have been through their own weddings, um, they will know it is extremely uh, can be difficult to to choose these things um, and get them right. But I agree with you that this poem. Uh, a bit like, uh, as you say, the, the the Beach Boys one. Um, it's not a, it's not a it's not an undying profession of romantic love, is it? It's it almost is more um, analogous to the words that are sort of um, an aged vicar may speak. And I think actually, Rob, if I remember your your wedding, you had a very nice vicar, didn't you? He's quite an, uh, quite a quite a veteran. Yeah. And he's yeah. We 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 actually brought him out of retirement yeah. for one more job. That's, that's true. Yeah, he was he was retired, and we and we said, would you come back and just do one more wedding? And uh, he he sighed, and you know, 
was he was he killed in the process? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, come yeah, on, that's straight out of uh, Robert McKee's <laughs> story. Isn't that's it? right. Yeah, his partner had been killed at a, at a, at a wedding. A wedding. <laughs> Uh, he he, uh, he, uh, he did he did he did he did all that stuff the acknowledging of the of the of the you know the fragility I suppose of you know relationships and so on and and gave us some good uh, good advice at the occasion of our wedding which was you know things like uh, you know never go to was it never go to bed on an argument that's right I remember and, that phrase from from your from the vicar but um, and that but, sort of but, stuff you know which but, is but, a similar but, which is a similar sort of t- a spirit and tone to this poem I think you know yeah but it came it came it came it came it sat well on his lips because he was I don't know, you know, definitely yeah, was, north of 65, wasn't he? He may have been oh, north yeah, for of sure, 75. Yeah. He was probably about um, 75, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, he... He, 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 he was he, speaking he, with worldly wisdom. Hard-won wisdom, that's right. Um, Whereas this is from somebody who's maximum 27 years old. Yeah, but as I say, this isn't this isn't this isn't a piece of advice to uh, to to hand it down, is it? This is a this is a, a love letter to his to his young wife, you know. And um, as I say, it feels as though it could have been it could have been composed in the wake of an argument or fight, you know. And and to say, you know, the, 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 these 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 you know, even if they're arguing a lot, you know, these bouts of of of, of ill humour in our in our in our marriage are are trivial against the bigger picture of our enduring love you know which is what this poem is and and i do think as well there's is to a certain degree when he says old break bridges breaking between you and me there is a sort of there, as i say it's quite wry it's sort of with a wink isn't it it's not a um it's not too you know confrontational or or, or, or too revealing of their you know private you know stresses and frictions so i think it's quite a wry and and as i say a very sweet as very very sweet poem and i think that's how it would lend itself quite well to um Possibly not being read by the groom, but perhaps the best man or the bride's father, you know, who can provide a wry note, um, but a sweet one, you know. In a way, it's perfect because that's what the father of the bride wants to do, isn't it? Is, is to say something that's sort of amusing and wry, but also ultimately, you know, uh, you know, never leave a dry eye, you know, uh, type of thing. Um, I mean, it is it is a shortened and 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 sort of um, seemingly simple poem, uh, but uh, he does some pretty clever things, doesn't he? In the third stanza, showing off walls of sure and solid stone, um, which is quite which he then refers back to. So at the end, when he says we have built our wall, he's already established this kind of beautiful, clean, um, strong. It's slightly surprising to me that he doesn't go with walls again as the last word. I know it doesn't rhyme perfectly with fool, but walls would um, suggest, yeah, that would continue the uh, the the kind of motif of a of an inc- of a space, a safe, you know, comfortable, safe, sheltered sanctuary or whatever. Whereas a wall that doesn't do that. A wall on its own that suggests. Uh, separation and uh, division which just feels to me to be not quite right not that I'm suggesting that I would tell Seamus Heaney to rewrite one, <laughs> a word of his poem <laughs> but, Dear but that's how I would have written it as a side point I learnt yesterday whilst uh, watching uh, uh, something about Seamus Heaney on, on, on YouTube that um, Seamus is apparently the Irish version of the name do you know which name it is English name James. Yeah, I didn't know that. 
you obviously mm. did, David, but uh, forgive my ignorance. Well, actually, I, I don't know if I did know. I think I just thought, yes, it must be James. But I'm not, I, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, dear, dear, dear Mr. Heaney, we, 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 we're not sure about the last line. I, I, th- I think... Um, there's, a, there's a writer of films. He writes all of Ang Lee's films, or used to back in the day. Anyway, his, name's, his name was James Seamus. <laughs> really? Excellent. I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I think so. Yeah, I think his name is James Seamus. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that uh, occurs uh, often, doesn't it, when you get sort of like the Gilly Islands or... You know, oh really? Yeah, yeah. the yeah, Ooze yeah. River. Um, yeah. uh, but 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 we have. Been, I, I agree with you, David. I th- I felt that the first time that I read it, um, that it was strange that it was in the singular. We have built our wall because you sort of feel like you should have built a, a, a building rather than just one yeah. wall. But I suppose maybe. I mean, I don't know. But you know, the wall that you build around your property is the wall, so it is a complete. Yeah, or, or encompassing. I was, thinking, I, I, was, I was thinking possibly influenced by the previous poem, the sense of a of a field of a field line. You know, the the the, the well, as you say, the um, the you know the the, the wall around the field or the, the you know the, the around the or, the or the property. Sure, that's sort of what I was thinking of as a wall, like a um, you know an old stone wall type of thing. Um, that's what I saw when we first read it for some reason. Although it doesn't need a scaffold, does it? But um, yeah. Is the outer wall which defines their relationship, which is within yeah. the protected sphere of that wall? Yeah. Is it an iambic pentameter? It is, isn't it? It's iambic pentameter. Masons, when they start upon a building, are careful to test out the scaffolding, make sure that planks won't skip it, busy points, secure ladders, tight and bolted point joints. And yet all this comes down when the dip's done, showing off walls are sure and solid stone. Yeah. There's a bit of Auden in that second stanza, isn't there? The, the 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 rhythm of meter of of, of secure all ladders tighten bolted joints <coughs> yeah unhook the stars yeah quiet the dog the the, the imperative pack yeah. up the sun um i think we i think we can move on i don't think there's i think it's a, a, a relatively um smaller poem uh, i mean it's wonderful but i don't think there's much to be do- dove into what do you think I think unless we were to go really heavy on the technical side, which I'm not sure we can, even if we wanted to. Um, no, I think that's 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 probably it. There's a there's a there's I don't know. There's a scaffold is an interesting one, isn't it? Because there is actually a dark connotation to scaffold. Um, but uh, anyway, maybe that's a bit like your point, David and Rob, about these two, you know, the the complexity of the choices that one makes when trying to um, exemplify perfect love. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and also you feel a bit like someone standing up at the wedding saying, hang on a minute, there's a darker interpretation to this that you're not considering, which just would feel somehow not not the right thing to do. That's why literary criticism has no place in a... Exactly. In a, in a wedding ceremony. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm going to bang my, <laughs> bang my gong. I think I've... Have I read two of the poems now? Maybe. Yeah, so if I do uh, my one and then Rob... Reads it again. Badgers by Seamus Heaney. When the badger glimmered away into another garden, you stood half lit with whiskey, sensing you had disturbed some soft returning. The murdered dead, you thought. But could it not have been some violent shattered boy nosing out what got mislaid 
between the cradle and the explosion. Evenings when windows stood open and the compost smoked down the backs. Visitations are taken for signs. At a second house I listened for duntings under the laurels and heard intimations whispered about being vaguely honoured. And to read even by carcasses the badgers have come back. One that grew notorious lay untouched in the roadside. Last night one had me breaking, but more in fear than in honour. Cool from the set and redolent of his runs under the night, the bogey of fern country broke cover in me for what he is, pig family, and not at all what he's painted. How perilous is it to choose not to love the life we're shown, his sturdy, dirty body and interloping grovel, the intelligence in his bone, the unquestionable houseboy's shoulders that could have been my own. Uh, well, I'll read that again. <coughs> Badgers by Seamus Heaney. When the badger glimmered away into another garden, you stood, half-lit with whiskey, sensing you had disturbed some soft returning. The murdered dead, you thought. But could it not have been some violent, shattered boy nosing out what got mislaid between the cradle and the explosion? Evenings when windows stood open and the compost smoked down the backs. Visitations are taken for signs. At a second house I listened for duntings under the laurels and heard intimations whispered about being vaguely honoured. And to read even by carcasses the badgers have come back. One that grew notorious lay untouched by the roadside. Last night one had me breaking, but more in fear than in honour. Cool from the set, and redolent of his runs under the night, the bogey of fern country broke cover in me for what he is. Pig family, and not at all what he's painted. How perilous is it to choose not to love the life we're shown? His sturdy, dirty body and interloping grovel, the intelligence in his bone, the unquestionable houseboy's shoulders that could have been my own. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, sea change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're in a different power all of a sudden. When is this from? Do we know? 1979. Uh, okay. After the acid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I mean, bi biographically, it's certainly true to say that um, between '66, when he becomes published, and you know, he, he goes through these various things, and he's, he's moves to Dublin in '71 or '72 or something, and yeah, he's. I read, he's, I read, I read big, incidentally. Big I read incidentally that he he spent a few years teaching at Harvard. I think he was at Harvard for like twenty years, yeah. one term a year, um, probably from about '79. Right. Um, so he, 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 by that point, I guess, um, but after, after 1979 becomes, a um, you know, a very respected and, and celebrated, um, hanging out with the Boston Irish, hanging out with the Boston Irish. That's a very good shout actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm really interested to hear what David's got to say on this in in a moment, and what, what we all have to say. But um, I think that uh, there's a huge, huge sea change, isn't there? This is all about the violence and the conflicts. I mean, we we, we began the pod by talking a little bit about um, the, the the troubles. I think this is going to be more present in this poem. Is that? Do you think right, David? Yeah, it's uh, like. As with the, the poems of his that I'm familiar with that do deal with the troubles, do so in a deliberately um, dis, sort of detached and kind of um, uh, not metaphorical way. What's the word I mean? You know, they, they don't. They're not explicitly about no. about that. Indi- it's an indirect thing, exactly. And I think maybe that reflects his own. I, I, there's there's a there's a poem I forget which one that that sort of is coming back to me now, which. Um, is his own acknowledgement, his own sort of guilty acknowledgement of uh, writing about this stuff from America right. and uh, re- you know accepting that he's not there and he is not uh, hearing the bombs and hearing the shattered glass and seeing the bodies. Uh, so th- maybe that's why he does, yeah, write about it in this indirect, in indirect way. Um, but obviously, yeah, you you can't. I suppose like he can't get away from it. Um, it's almost like a, there's a sort of duty, I think, that he probably feels that he has a kind of burden of responsibility to cover this this stuff, this obviously massive bloody period in um, in his nation's history, uh, even though he's yeah kind of teaching poetry at Harvard. I think that's um, a very fair point. And, you know, he he's born into a Catholic family and, I think it's Ulster. I never, to be honest, I never really know exactly what that word means. Not being super familiar with it, but it's the northern part of Ireland, and obviously the six counties are, are, the, are, the, are the, the remaining British part of Ireland. He's born up in in Ulster. He moves to Dublin, and then, as you rightly say, he's he's over in America. That's London, Derry, by the way. He was in. Uh, he was born in London, Derry. Right, okay. It was interesting. Again, I mean, you've used that word. David used the word dairy earlier on. Controversial. It is very controversial. And I, and I, and I remember having, a, a, a again, just living in one's life of sort of, you know, ignorance. I remember 20 years ago being in a in a pub and, and hearing this, be, being tangentially part of this argument about dairy and London dairy and how important it was to people who felt strongly about, about which words you, you used. Uh, Derry, of course, is the preferred term in the Republic, and London Derry. Rob right. may have Rob may have lost us some uh, some Northern Irish. Listeners. Yeah, well, let me just say that I wasn't being political. I was just merely reading off Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> That's not well, going to work. I mean, I think we can't we can't completely skirt around this. I mean, he he he's 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 living his life and as i think you've just said it david he felt that he couldn't ignore it and it was a part of it and you know i think in ireland he is if not recognized as a partisan he's definitely his passport is green you know as you as you as you noted earlier on um but i think that we need to look at how he interpreted the the things that he experienced and that's tied in with identity and it may not be that um, you know, particularly from from you know British perspective, that uh, obviously there are two sides to this to this argument, to this very vicious, violent, and tragic argument that's 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 been waged over multiple decades, if not centuries. But he's he's trying to 
to deal with it and interpret it, isn't he? And I think that's what we're looking at here. Yeah, I mean, should we have a look at some of these many things that are going yeah. on in this poem? Because there are some some peculiar and uh, slightly bewilderingly kind of scattered ideas and images that seem to be happening. Why badges for a start? I've noticed actually this uh, this probably is completely a ridiculous thing to say, but it's it's listed as the badges in the contents, but it says just badges um above the poem, which that feels like a fairly glaring mistake on the part of um the editor of the editor frankly because that's that sort of thing's important. Very. Um so badges by itself as opposed to the badges trying to think what anyway yeah okay so he 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 treats so he, he uses badges he's re, he's referring frequently uh, well certainly at the beginning and again at the end or the second half of the poem to badges why well i mean i suppose they're just you know uh, mysterious night dwellers that we very rarely see but we sort of know are there so it's a sort of a hidden alternate reality that that is just you know in our own back gardens um, so I suppose knowing that this is happening, the troubles, the, 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 the killings, the, you know, the woundings, maimings, the rest of it, you know, the, the violence is going on, but never, never potentially becoming, you're being right under your nose, you know, but never seeing it. Maybe there's something in that. that uh, yeah. Are we, they? We, we, go ahead. Go on down. No, go on down. Well, we we talked about having seen dead animals in one of our former pods, didn't we? Um, it was the Robert Graves dead cow it farm. Was. It was, um, yeah. and and we I think at that point uh, <coughs> we mentioned um, <laughs> the various dead animals we'd seen. Badgers. And if you didn't one listen to that one, dead, listeners, sadly. it's just as fun as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People will be scurrying back to uh, look through the back catalogue now. If they weren't already. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're um, right. You see a lot more dead badgers than live ones. If that, actually, that's what you were. You know, you, you do see to. you do see dead badgers, and I think that's that's uh, that's something that's going on in this uh, poem here, isn't it? I mean, the murdered dead. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely misinterpreting this, but the, I mean, the mur- second stanza, top of the second stanza, the murdered dead is something about the fact that badgers are often killed. I mean, I, I guess particularly in an agricultural context. Uh, badgers are kind of bad news for farmers for various reasons. They often are, are killed or culled. They're, they're often, uh, sadly, by the sides of roads. The murdered... But, is it, but, but, but it's explicitly that first um, first uh, uh, stanza, uh, isn't he saying he saw out of a corner of his eye, so to speak, it glimmered away, and he felt like he had, he had seen a ghost... Sensed you, sensing you had disturbed some soft returning, so it, it was as though he'd seen a ghost in his own back garden. Yes, and and then he's saying it was the murdered dead. You thought that was the first thing that occurred to him. Um, so yeah, it could have been a returning badger, but equally, could it not have been some violent shattered boy? I mean, I suppose black and white as well. So the shape of a badger at night is. I mean, you know, is is indistinct. You wouldn't necessarily see the black parts. You would just see sort of a white glimmer disappearing into a hedgerow or whatever. And therefore he sort of feels like he's seen a spectral figure in his garden. And badgers are, by the way, enormous as well. They're not little. They're not, this is not a a stoat, is it? A badger is like a four foot, you know, 
he's a big the units big yeah as he as he himself yeah, they, they are as he just, as, in the final stanza yeah. uh, as big as, as, are, big are, as a person, are we you know? all on this in agreement that the you of this poem is the poet himself yeah. definitely yeah so he he when he sees the badger as you rightly say he thinks of the murdered dead um and then you the, alluded the you disappears doesn't it Yes, it, I think that's right. He, he alludes, you alluded, I should say, Rob, to um, a slightly more cosmic take on things that maybe uh, is present in this work in uh, 1979 for reasons which uh, we need not visit necessarily. But um, the beginning of the third stanza has got that kind of cosmic Yeatsian um, idea. Visitations are taken for signs. In other words... You know, there's there's this kind of, I mean, I suppose you know, um, folk idea, isn't there, that um, the fact that the badger is in his garden is a sign of something. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what what David just pointed out is that the you does disappear, and the you uh, is only for that first two stanzas, and then it comes when when we come back to the stanza three, it's now first person. Uh, because he's also in uh, a second house, so possibly there are two characters in this poem after all. Well, the, by the in the third stanza, he's back to the first person, technically, isn't he? I listened at a second house. I listened for Dunting's. No, that's what I'm saying. It's no, but it starts you, you. First two stanzas are you stood, yeah. you thought, but then he says a second house. I listened. So it's there's two no, characters. There's only one character. One, it's him. Well, why would he go from you to I then? I don't have an answer to that question other than a vague sense that, that he's talking he's... about himself in the first two stanzas. Why is he in a second house then? Surely there are two locations. Well, there are two locations. He, he says, at a second house. In other words, you could replace the word second for another. At another house, I listened for Dunting's Under the yeah. Laurels. Yeah, but why not? Why not you listen? Why not stay in that person if it's only one? If it's a cons- consistent, uh, because character? I think structurally there's a change in the sense that um, he's 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 now making it more explicit that it's about himself. Um, Possibly. I mean, who stood half lit with whiskey, sensing you had disturbed some soft returning? It's not. It's not addressed to some other person, is it? Who stood there? Well, it could be. Let's just read it again. And so the first person he's talking to is his wife. When the badger glimmered away into another garden, you stood half lit with whiskey, sensing you had disturbed some soft returning, the murdered dead you thought. But could it not have been? I think this is more of that kind of internal, almost dialogue with oneself. Possibly, possibly. It's just odd that he would then switch, switch. Um, person stuff in the second house so he's saying later in our life another occasion um with a badger yep he's listening for um, duntings i've no idea what that word is uh, that just means like knocks i think it just means sounds yeah that, that's how i take it he's listening for uh, like th- he's listening for for badger activity under the trees yeah. and i heard intimations whispered about being vaguely honored i mean david help us out here is this a reference to the sacrifice as perceived by the the republicans i presume so i i mean yeah the the badges are now but by, by this stage of the poem the badges have become essentially well whatever you would depending on what what side you were on i suppose they're either terrorists or guerrilla freedom fighters or 
something like that, aren't they? But by yeah, by the time you get to the one that grew notorious, lay untouched in the roadside, um, we're not talking about badges anymore. And um, but then it just—it's the bit after that that I find most strange. The because um, it's the 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 what appear I think the most interesting line in the whole thing, apart from that that rhetorical question in the final stanza, which is that feels like a massive bit that I'm not pretty sure I understand as well. But before that, in the penultimate stanza, uh, he refers to broke cover in me. So the cool from the set. Lair. So yeah, that's the badger's underground kind of lair, and redolent of his runs under the night. So he still sort of smells of being underground. Yep. Um, the bogey of fern country is a. So we're we talking about a bogey in the sense of a, of like um, bad luck, like a like a. The bogeyman, yeah. Uh, the, your bogey team is your, the, the team that always beats you. Um, the bogey of Fern Country broke cover in me for what he is. Pig family and not at all what he's painted. It's it's that, it's I, elliptical and Yatesian, but I think it's the bogey of Fern Country is his, you know, his identity um, from his past, isn't it? Okay, so a bit of himself has been revealed, broke cover, kind of. He stopped hiding it, and it's it's uh, been kind of emerged, sort of released. Yeah. Um, but then, what's pig family? It's this f reference, isn't it, to this earthiness, the 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 the, the, the muck and the organic m- muscle of the you know, the dirtiness of it, the reality of it, you know, I, I, that's, okay. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I'm just, I'm literally just riffing on that. I've no idea, but I, that, that's how I read reading this, that pig family, it's on the one hand, superficially a negative um, idea. Pig has got, you know, pig family sounds kind of pejorative, but I think it's more about the kind of the reality of it all. The, 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 I, I, I'm getting from that stanza, which starts off very kind of quite beautifully cool from the set and redolent of his runs under the night. Um, there's something going on about his sort of inner identity breaking through and it's not how he would prefer necessarily to view himself or to see himself perhaps as a sophisticated, uh, you know, intellectual. I mean, one of the things that comes across from a couple of interviews I watched on YouTube yesterday with Heaney is just how, Obviously, how incredibly perceptive and um, you know cerebral he he was in his take on 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 all of this. But I think is that perhaps that that's what's coming through there. That he's pig family is the bottom line of it all. Yeah, I mean, so is he uh, not? Is he essentially just reflecting now on the fact that he has? broken cover um and he's uh, got him taken himself away from the possibility of having to fight for a cause and sacrifice himself which is what he then um alludes to in the final two lines do we think that's what yeah that's what i is. think that say that again 
Well, he could be he could be the dead the dead boy, couldn't he? He could have been that dead kid who has been, by the looks of it, mm-hmm. blown up mm-hmm. by the sounds of it. Um, the unquestionable house boy. That's a really interesting. Unquestionable, not unquestioning. Uh, that's unquestioning would would make sense as some kid who's doing the dirty work and has paid for it with his life. Unquestionable is, I mean, I, that must deliberately make you think of that boy in a slightly different way, as per, perhaps slightly less naive and slightly more committed and, uh, you know, as more of a kind of believer in the cause. But but either way, Heaney's dodged all this. Yeah. And uh, gets has the privilege of writing about this stuff in you know as uh, from afar and as a as a as a an extended metaphor as a conceit again. I think that part is definitely just from that last line that could have been my own. You know, it's there, but for the grace of God, isn't it? That you know. Um, yeah, I don't understand this poem at all. I think he's wrestling with his conscience, isn't he? And he's wrestling with this uh, the turmoil of the conflict, which he doesn't welcome. But he, I, I don't know. I mean, this could be projection. How perilous is it to choose not to love the life we're shown? It's almost a reference back to the follower poem, isn't it? And will not go away. You know, that he's, 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 he's there, there is a, there is a life and a historical identity that he is not exactly imprisoned in, but he's struggling to reconcile with his, more universal nature is that pretentious no yeah, no I, I, i'm just wondering i mean there's also an aspect of fear that runs through this poem you know we're talking about we're talking about heaney as though he he's feeling like you know he he, he could have done more you know to to be you know a meaningful contributor to irish independence or you know um whatever however um you know republican movement or whatever but 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 equally there's a there's an element of fear here so he uh, second house I listened for thumps under the laurels. I mean, I'm sort of seeing an image there. You know, also these are vicious visitations. You know, that and heard intimations whispered about being vaguely honoured. Okay, so he's intimations, and I know it's not the same as intimidations. That's different. But it, it feels as though he's being, you know, he's listening out for intelligence. So he's listening to for for, for these whisperings, um, and later he's saying. Uh, what last night one had me breaking, but more in fear than in honour. So this again, this this links is linked to this being vaguely honoured. Is he being asked to write a poem in support of the Republican cause? He 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 wants to be. He, you know these intimations whispered about he vague being vaguely honoured, but he is breaking in fear rather than honour. So there's a bit of fear running there somehow and then he's asking how perilous is it to choose not to love the life we're shown you know i.e to reject what's offered to us is there something in that well it's, it's it feels like he's had a visitation from you know i mean the most extreme narrative here is that he's had a visitation from an ira person who broke covering me for what he is pig family sure thing um i would i think that he is kind of admitting that he's his his um, response to all of this. Yeah, I mean, he that like I said earlier, I think he's expected to come up with a poetic yeah. response to the Irish troubles, which you know by by this stage have reached um, you know critical 
levels clearly and uh, people are dying every day so you have to have something to say you have to have you have to have an opinion but i think he is i suppose he's all he's probably have you've got to be careful of course you've got to be very careful about what you say and uh uh, he's he's uh who you're likely to offend and whose loyalties uh whose loyalties people expect of you but but um I think he's also admitting that his response to it is actually essentially quite primal and instinctive. Hence, words like fear, uh, fear rather than honour, and 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 love in the final stanza. Yeah, that that's what he's interested in. Uh, he's not necessarily somebody of genuine political uh, commitment that that is going to. Uh, you know, bring him down on one side or the to other. To make sense he of this is, in an intellectual he, he, fashion, as a as a well-respected poet, his his take on it is f- sort of visceral and 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 primal. Yeah, but I don't understand. Yeah, like a badger, still, essentially, it's maybe, about survival. Yeah, who's uh, no? Who's, I mean, I think it's sturdy, sturdy, dirty body. Who's interloping grovel? Whose bone is intelligence? You know, I mean. Because he's not talking about he, himself. Because he's now saying the unquestionable houseboy's shoulders that could have been my own. So there is a there is another person here. Is he talking about a badger or a man? Yeah, well, there's a man. Which man? There's his. It's kind of like the, the the guy he could have been, isn't it? If he hadn't escaped, if he hadn't got away, if he hadn't got a, a scholarship to whichever prestigious school it was that he went to, um, and then gone to Harvard. Um, this could have been him. This is a you know he's not. This isn't supposed to be his role in life. He was supposed to follow in his father's footsteps, as you, as you've um, shown us with your choice. And he's still reflecting on the fact that that hasn't happened, and uh, he hasn't stayed on and worked the, the the earth and then been expected to fight the cause. Uh, he's he's got out of all of that. Yeah. So let, let, can we just uh, read I the think. poem just from that uh, the, the, the the penultimate line of the uh, of the stanza that begins and to read even by carcasses. So just from last night, because that seems to me the as it were, well, it's not it's not a volta so to speak, but that seems to be the like the last the beginning of the last section of the poem. Last night had one had me breaking, so one badger had me breaking, but more in fear than in honour. Cool from the set and redolent of his runs, which is to say the Badger's runs, under the night, the bogey of Fern County broke cover in me for what he is. So one, a Badger had me breaking in fear. Cool from the set and redolent of his runs under the night, the bogey of Fern County broke cover in me for what he is. Pig family and not at all what he's painted. So you're saying there that Heaney is saying um, this this primal... Um, uh, animalistic creature within himself kind of somehow came up there was a sort of a springing up of this of this animal creature within him this pig family and not the internationally recognized poet harvard lecturer etc 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 that's maybe so yeah that's the meaning of this poem and now he's saying, and now he's saying, his sturdy, gr- dirty body, his interloping grovel, the intelligence in his bone—it's a different version of myself, an alternate version of myself. The unquestionable houseboy's shoulders that could have been my own. So he's seeing—I don't know—is he experiencing like the call of the wild? <laughs> well, yeah, I think he's just a, a, 
reflecting on the, the yeah the as you say it's the there but for the grace of god it's it's that that could so easily have been me i i really think that's that's essentially it and he's using because he does there are other poems in this from this collection field work which deliberately you know is uses a lot of natural imagery that you might associate much more with ted hughes um lots of animals there are poems here called the otter and the skunk um and i think i'm right in saying both of those poems because uh well certainly the skunk of course because you don't find skunks in uh in that poem was written in america exactly so he's writing they're very much about america and and having almost as an adopted american um this is him yeah clearly looking back uh he's uh this is a memory isn't it that's stirred in him possibly when he's watching the news and drinking a whiskey because that's you know he he has this kind of flashback to um yeah this other this other self of his hence the the second person i think D- david i'm going to put you on the spot now i hope you'll forgive me um because one of the things that or the discussion that uh, that's taking place makes me think of this idea that you know in, in when he publishes uh, death of a naturalist in 1966 he is a you know a fresh young voice a fresh fresh talent and he hits the big time as i think they used to say in the 1960s um by 1979 i mean if you think about that analogously in pop music terms someone who hits the big time in 66 and stays big by 79 um i don't know if there's any bands or artists that we could compare that kind of time frame to um but is, isn't there an idea that um their 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 sense of themselves has changed and therefore this is almost a reflection on his kind of how he's come away a little bit from that's very interesting the um i was sort of from, from was, that yeah sorry you're gonna you're gonna carry on uh, well my my, my 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 question to you was simply that is is, is there a lyric or or or, or, or a song or, or something that we think we could detect detect in um you know the the catalogue of, of a particular musician or, or band that sort of reflects on how they've become you know very um successful and you know wealthy i'm not saying that he knew particularly was wealthy but that, that they've kind of you know 10 years down the line or 13 years down the line they're a different they're a different kettle of fish than they used to be well each of each of paul mccartney john lennon and george harrison all um wrote uh, songs about having been in the beatles uh so one degree or another when we was fab by george harrison when do you think he wrote that when, yeah. when, when, when is that uh probably um yeah i think that's probably mid 70s probably or maybe late 70s yeah, I don't really know. But I think the the um, let's face it, the, the, there's a bit of a difference between the experience of a of a rock star and of a poet. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking in along similar lines actually, because when yeah, you you think it's, it's interesting that oh his, yeah, so his his career runs parallel with someone like the Rolling Stones. But uh, in 1979, the Rolling Stones, who probably also moved largely to America are not living the, they're not teaching at harvard you know they're 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 living a far more uh decadent existence than um 
than Heaney is. So, I, I, yeah, I think it it, it, it did, does depart somewhat. So, you do, if if Keith Richards analogous. had written, if Keith Richards had written had written those last two lines, he might have said the unquestionable something that that I I would have been. And I know, I know it's slightly trivialising it because obviously this is about <laughs> conflict, but it, I mean, curiously, uh, the word houseboy does appear in a Rolling Stones song, of course. Anyone? Wow, that's a, hmm. that's one for the no. House if you, if you house are if you are listening to this podcast and know the answer to this question, well done. <laughs> <laughs> it's a famous one. Give me, give me, give, give, me, say, give me the opening uh, chords. <laughs> Houseboy knows he's doing all right. Uh, something. Oh, jumping Jack Flash. No. Uh, oh, hang on, just around midnight. Just around midnight. No, yeah. But it's, yeah, you got the right okay. lyric. You know this. It's not. It's it's. Um, go on. Keep singing it to yourself. You'll get there. It's, it's lyrically the most controversial. I mean, for a, such a mainstream, canonical song played on the radio in the middle of the day, it is a, a insanely, awfully, awfully racist. Was it Sympathy for the Devil? Ancestors. I don't know. It's, oh. <laughs> it's, it's brown sugar. <laughs> Oh yeah, bow, 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 brown sugar. That, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, slightly yeah, beside yeah, the point. Yeah, 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 yeah fair um, enough. Yeah. But yeah, that bit of a coincidence. You were, sorry, Dan. You were you were talking about would Keith Richards have? I mean, it was Jagger who wrote the lyrics, wasn't it? Anyway, so would, would Jagger have written these lines, at, or if he had written these lines, is he is he reflecting on the the boy he the man he could have turned out to be if he hadn't um, become a millionaire rock star? Well, I suppose what he's saying in that final line, then, if, if this is our reading of the poem, that what he's saying is that he's not a um, he's not uh, he's not a sort of a, a he's not a Greek god. He's not a striding Adonis. You know, he may have had all this success uh, as a as a as a sort of internationally recognised poet and man of letters, but if you if you saw him in silhouette, um, you wouldn't think of him with his low forehead and his tight knit kind of you know curly hair you wouldn't think of him as being a uh, uh, a, a sort of uh, an intellectual figure you would think he's got unquestionable houseboy's shoulders he looks like a you know a skivvy a worker a working class person you know I don't know um, I suppose that's what he's saying at the end isn't it is that um, if that's the reading as I say that we're going with then then that's who he that's who he is um, physically and viscerally in himself is this is this sturdy dirty body an interloping grovel you know he's he's not a um uh a chiseled hero no at least in his at least in his own mind you know and i mean before we move on i just will take a moment to just those that phrase interloping grovel that is quite um is extremely powerful isn't it interloping grovel yeah guys we should uh move on because uh, we are, are coming to the end of our podcast time um yeah so i'm going to ring my gong and i will ask you the question uh, that i always ask in this section of the pod which is um <laughs> what are the <laughs> steps precisely <laughs> <laughs> 
Get ready to answer. <laughs> How old's my West? Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I very much enjoyed spending the uh, uh, best part of two hours, or an hour and a half, whatever it is, with you guys. And we've looked at these Heaney poems. Um, he's obviously, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's probably the biggest poet we've tackled insofar as... Um, he he has you know he won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1995. He's this huge huge figure in Ireland, but he's this huge figure in America. He's this huge figure in 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 English literature in the the the, the latter part of the 20th century. Um, where where are you guys on Heaney now? Has, has it changed at all as a result of this uh, these three poems? Well, I thought it was very, I thought it was very interesting that we hit that. Um that scaffolding poem, which seemed uh, very light and, um, I mean, d- delightful, but uh, but but sort of trivial. It seemed to have the sort of depth of a of a of a of a uh, of a fortune cookie to some degree. I mean, you know, lovely poem, um, expertly crafted, obviously, but pretty pretty light on its feet. As I say, we sort of didn't have much to say about it. Whereas I feel this final poem, this um, badgers. Is as you say a sort of a it's complete sea change, isn't it? It feels like an entirely different, um, you know, intellectual apparatus is being employed. You know, it's a it's a sort of as you said, it's a little bit Yeatsian. It's got a kind of a visionary, cryptic, myth, mysterious, almost mytho- mythological, um, and it, and in, and 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 quite clearly intentionally um, dense and and um, kind of ungraspable you know it's very slippery the images are like kind of mirrored surfaces where you can't quite understand who even the pronouns belong to who is the he the the i the me the you you know this shifting surfaces it feels like a really dense weave of kind of images and um like a dream uh dream logic to it you know to 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 find a poem uh, a poet just by you know almost random selection that could contain both of those poems um and the intensely personal and revelatory work you know the first one we did follower um but uh he's obviously a you know extraordinary figure that we should you know probably do yeah part that, two that's of at some kind point of what i was future. about to suggest actually <laughs> because um going back to the kind of rock band analogy i do th- i think of heaney as an album's band uh he you don't. You can, I mean, obviously, this is going to be true of any anyone, any poet. You can't just pick three poems from the the canon and say, "Well, we've we've covered him." But uh, you know, we we picked basically two from the first album, and um, and then one from the fourth, and they they all they 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 make much more sense in the context of that particular published work you know so his i forget whether it's his second or third work but there's one called north where most of the poems if not all of the poems are essentially about bodies that have been unearthed from those peak bogs that have been there for centuries and you know were killed in sort of weird weird kind of sacrificial rites and then he obviously he 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 uses that to address the the contemporary issues, uh, and there's so there, and there's a similar thing with you know with that last poem that we looked at, yeah, looking at the Irish situation from a from a, a distance, and there are a number of other poems that deal with that, and of course yeah, the, those brilliant first those early poems about his childhood and the and and uh, those memories as well. So yeah, there's a there's an awful lot more. To um, I'm really pleased to have looked seen two poems, you know, one of which obviously was quite slight, and one of which was very was much more kind of puzzling. But yeah, really pleased to have um, 
to have done that but yeah there, there's a, 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 a so there's so much more to to, dis, to discover definitely okay i well, i agree absolutely and um we 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 may be lucky enough to revisit yeah heaney so circle back at yeah. some future point if uh you are still with us listener um thank you very much for listening and if there is a poet uh or lyricist that you um you think that we could uh, touch upon in this or, or, or talk about discuss in this in this spot um rob can you uh, remind our listeners of our email contact oh yeah we do take requests um uh it's uh poetry podcasts at gmail.com it's all one word poetry pod cats c-a-t-s at gmail.com anyway guys uh and it, it, did anyone have, have any last thoughts before i ring the the, the phone no, i think we're, i think we're good no no you go ahead and ring it bang a gong then <laughs>